0: I love the fact that we're trying to do something a little bit different but still being reflective of our industry and the history that it comes from it Um, trying to move in the direction and remain prevalent you know within an industry that is rapidly changing this
1: is fishtails a seafood podcast i'm john sussman The Eastern King Prawn Fishery, based out of Mooloolaba, is a vibrant and diverse fishery located on the Sunshine Coast of Queensland. It is primarily known for its Eastern King Prawn Catch, which is highly sought after for its succulent meat and deep umami-based flavour. The fishery is characterised by its small, mostly family-owned fleet, which contributes to its unique charm and community-driven ethos. Many of these fishing operations have been passed down through generations with families dedicating their livelihoods to the eastern king prawn fishery. This deep rooted connection to the industry translates in a strong commitment to sustainable fishing practices and the maintenance of high quality standards. Jackie and Alan Cartwright are one such fishing family who have developed the Silver Sea Seafoods brand from their home port in Malurba.
0: Hi, I'm Jackie Cartwright. I'm based in Mooloolabar and our business is Silver Sea Seafoods. My husband's been a fisherman since he was 17, so over 25 years and um, we were together very young. So when I met him, moved to Mooloolabar and um, yeah, it's been a a growing process. So, you know, we've kind of gone through the roles of him being a deckhand, um, then him being a skipper. And then we purchased our first trawler in our early 30s in 2014. Um, So that was a big, big risk back then. (laughs) Um, And we're now on to our second trawler. Um, And, yeah, we've developed Silver Sea Seafoods. Post COVID.
1: Investing in a boat and license for prawn fishing can be challenging for a young family due to the financial burdens, market volatility, seasonal nature of fishing, regulations and licensing, physical demands and safety concerns. There's time commitment and evolving industry practice also to deal with. However, with proper planning, research and support, it's possible to navigate these challenges and establish a successful family-based fishing business.
0: Oh, yeah, look, it was challenging. I mean, um, we had our children quite young as well. So, you know, we, it was always a case of maintaining a second job, A, to keep busy, but also to, you know, and to pass the time. Um, but it was, it was a matter of supporting the family and, you know, um, having children and and him working away. Um, we're very lucky. Yeah. We've, we've got fanca- fantastic kids. Um, but, yeah, they certainly weren't easy years. So getting to the point of purchasing a vessel in our 30s was a, you know, it was a big opportunity for us, but it was also something that we wanted to, I suppose, when we did it, made, you know, made sure that it worked um, and we were taking a big risk, you know, our family's livelihood. Look, it was actually driven a bit by me. Um, So (laughs) I think we'd just we'd had a reef boat um, as well at the time, and Alan was working um, month on, you know, away for a month and then home for a couple of days, and um, then he kind of stepped back a little bit because of the ages of our kids and did month on month off. So started a bit of a shared role, and you know we kind of went, okay, now now's the time. You know, an opportunity presented itself to us, and we thought yeah, let's, let's give it a red-hot crack. It was daunting. Um, I think as it is, you know, for any boat owners, um, you work, it's, it's hard to get a grasp on um, your fishing because obviously you can never determine your catch. Um, you know, we're primary producers and, yeah, those years were some of the toughest years for us definitely. Um, everything that you made, you invested back into your business, you know, to make sure that you were surviving.
1: Having a husband away at sea for three weeks at a time presents challenges for a young family, including limited quality time, difficulties in maintaining work-life balance, emotional strain, communication challenges, safety concerns, managing finances and relying on support systems. Open communication, support and establishing strong networks are important in mitigating these challenges.
0: I think Malula Bar King Prawn, in itself and the name, um, is is really a, a brand name already that's has an awareness around Australia. I mean, we get obviously a lot of tourist trade here, and um, it, it, it's it's what everyone looks for. You know, they they go to the restaurants for this particular prawn. So, um, the prawn itself, it's great for either being cooked with. Or it's obviously um, perfect for presentation just in itself. So it really depends. It's it's very versatile. Yeah, it's got a strong flavour. So it's a it's a medium to firm flesh prawn, and fifty percent of the prawn is actually the meat. At the moment, we're doing a um, big thing. One of our chefs does a a cook up. You know, zero wastage. Um, Dish, and he's what he does with the prawn is he actually uses a whole prawn, but he breaks it down. So he gets a lot of questions about that dish, and he he uses the head to make the emulsion, and he uses the shell as a pepper, and then the meat is paired for the actual dish. Look, most of our prawn is a generally a cooked medium um, up to then you go into your green grades, which will be a nine twelve, you know, u ten, u eight, u six up. We obviously have our smaller shallow water seasons and different things where we'll get a smaller prawn, um, but year round mostly we have a a medium sized prawn.
1: The Australian Eastern King Prawn is highly regarded for its size, texture and unique flavour. It thrives in the pristine waters off the southeast coast of Queensland, benefiting from sustainable fishing practices and strict quality control measures. With its versatility in cooking, it has global recognition. The Eastern King Prawn holds a special status as a premium seafood delicacy.
0: Our boys have been great. So we have a pretty tight knit, um, you know, operations that we run and we they're like family, you know, so I think it's a matter of this working for everyone. And I think it's a matter of, um, that they, they love the idea. They love the concept, um, how we get there is the challenges that we're facing and how do we make sure that we can supply that one kilo box. But, yeah, no, they they, they are on board with it. They, um, they wear the shirts proudly. <laughs> they want more. <laughs> Typical trip would be that they will, and again, depending on season, um, they will go to sea potentially for three weeks. So in that process, obviously, they will stock up the boat for fuel Um, they will stock it up for food and then they'll head off and (laughs) they're gone for you know three weeks up to three weeks um during that time obviously we we they depending on what season it is will depend how many shots a night they do as well i mean alan's been doing it a very long time and life on the vessel for him has probably changed over the years you know when he was younger um he was obviously um, a, a fitter, you know, and stronger. And as he's gotten older, you know he's, he's um, you have those challenges. You know, the role has changed as well. There's a lot of a lot of time away from family. And that's probably over the years something that we've identified. I mean over the last 20 years, our children have grown up. You know, um, our daughters are, you know, off in uni and doing different things, and time has passed very quickly. I think it's a relationship that you have to grow. Our relationship with our crew, you know, is one of I suppose um, you want everyone to do well, you want your crew to do good, you want to support them, and you want your crew to in turn do the same thing for you. Um, I wouldn't say that we have to recruit. We very rarely have to recruit. We've got um, one decky who's been with us for quite a long time um, and now we've got another one who's been around since last year. So, you know, there has been periods where, um, you know, the boys will have trips off and different things like that um, and we'll accommodate that. Um, Just making sure that they're paid frequently and regularly as well. You know, I think that's a big thing like the industry Um, Back in the day, it used to be, you know, lengthy periods between the boys receiving their wages. I think running your business and looking after your crew is very important these days. Um, We don't, we don't. I know there's a lot of crew issues out there, um, but we we don't seem to be having that at the moment, um, not as much as some other fishermen that we know.
1: Recruiting and managing the right crew for three week long fishing trips out of Maloolabar is of utmost importance. It ensures that the crew possesses the necessary expertise, safety awareness, work ethic, adaptability, and communication skills to handle the challenges of living and working at sea. A well-selected and well-managed crew contributes to the overall success, safety and efficiency of a fishing operation. Keeping them motivated and inspired requires a range of skills from the skipper.
0: So in Mulloolaba we probably have 30 to 40 boats. Currently, that are prawn trawlers, and they range. I mean, they range anywhere in size. You have your smaller boats, um, and then you obviously have up to your twenty-meter boats. Um, they range anywhere in terms of what they can catch. Probably uh, around you know three ton a month up to potentially ten ton, depending on what the boat has in terms of freezer capacity. Uh, we, we fish year round. So that's one of the perks of the Eastern King prawn here, um, that that supply is always there for retails and restaurants consistently year round. Um, Obviously we have our closures um, and and seasons, um, but the the prawn is generally available.
1: The fleet that fishes for prawns out of Mooloolaba is diverse, with various vessel types, sizes and capacities. It includes small, family-owned operations that prioritise sustainable fishing practices and community engagement.
0: A lot of the research that I was doing during COVID was obviously that, you know, with the restaurants shut down overseas as well as locally, um, that consumers were more so heading towards a pre-packed product that they could, you know, walk in, purchase and take home while still maintaining that premium quality that they would achieve in a restaurant. So I kind of ran with that scenario as being something that we'd want to be able to achieve when the market opened back up. And in order to do that, it was about designing, you know, a one-kilo pack that, A, was manageable on board the vessel and for the boys to be able to pack into, um, as well as also, you know, making sure that it was identifiable to the consumer so that was a big there was a couple of our hurdles that we had um, there's a lot of trial and error around our branding and our design and you know, making sure our logo was recognisable and and even even in the name. I mean, you know, with the name of Silver Sea Seafoods, it was actually the first trawler that we owned, so it has a real sentimental attachment for us. Um, so we wanted to kind of show where we've been and what we've come from, um, and you know where the direction we're trying to head into. It was very much a navigating process. So what we've had to do is, and this is really in line with what we're actually trying to do. So we really want to make sure that as a business, we you know, remain um, with a domestic market as well as a international market. So, it would be impossible for us, given the current innovation and technology that's available on board vessels, to completely put all of our prawn into a one kilo box. So, what we've had to do is really focus on um, remaining a family brand and taking the orders that we feel we can achieve. Because... On board the vessel, packing a one kilo box, you know, by hand for the boys, it adds, uh, you know, it adds some other elements. So, um, you know, in terms of their time on the back deck, uh, we have to be aware of that. You know, we want to make the risk and the process easy for our crew, um, whilst also making sure that we're meeting our accreditation obligations.
1: Innovation is crucial for fishermen aiming to move upstream in the supply chain. It allows them to add value, differentiate their products, diversify their offerings, vertically integrate their operations, enhance traceability and sustainability, foster collaborations and remain adaptable in a rapidly evolving market. Embracing innovation opens doors to new opportunities and can contribute to the long-term success of fishermen in the seafood industry. But it demands commitment and perseverance often a challenge for a solo operator
0: yeah so in those days um, and still today you know we sell to our unloaders so all here in Mooloola Bar so you know historically it was um, never a matter of getting involved in where, you know where the prawn went or who it end, you know where it ended up it was a matter of us unloading um, and selling our pawns so that you know we could ensure that we got the money to fund the next trip um, you know and, 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 and fund your bills and your family so you know that that's kind of led to where we are today and taking charge a little bit more. Yeah. So that actually kind of, I was doing that in the background as we were achieving our export accreditation. So part of the original risk was always going ahead with the costs involved with, you know, doing that. Um, but also making sure that when we achieved it, we had this kind of buyers um, or I suppose market opportunities available and making sure that we could move the product the way that we wanted to and maintain you know, maintain the product in a premium form. So, setting those up, um, firstly, setting up you know your freight forwarding and your um, logistics has been, I suppose, a challenge, um, particularly during COVID, because as we all know, prices went up. Um, you know, and they still haven't necessarily came back down yet. Um, not nothing in line with what they were previously. Um, so we, we've got that ahead of us, um, and factoring that into the situation, but you know, in terms of the relationship building and, and whatnot, there's been a lot of, um, I suppose, me networking, um, if that's if that's the word you want to use, um, putting the name out there and, you know, getting involved um, in in the industry and hearing what's happening. So, you know, um, I'm a member of Women in Seafood Australasia now, um, so I have a lot to do with that. And attending the Seafood Directions Conference and just hearing what's happening around Australia, what other people are doing and having those conversations, which you wouldn't normally be able to have on a wharf. Um, And then again, you know, building that relationship with the Taste the Wild campaign, which is all about focusing on the wild caught prawn um, and, you know, the Australian Prawn Council. So at the moment, um, we've got some local customers that are restaurants as well as in-home chefs. So they really highlight the product um, in a, in a you know, fine dining kind of um, environment. Um, we have got a customer in Singapore um, that we exported to in February, which was great. That, that relationship took some time to build. And we've just recently secured a customer in Hong Kong as well we're trying to tell that story of um ocean to plate you know um and highlight what the boys do to get the product into the restaurants and it was definitely an achievement yeah it it felt good yeah very proud yeah
1: Selling their own catch possesses many challenges for small fishing businesses, including limited market access, marketing and branding obstacles, infrastructure and processing limitations, quality control and certification requirements, seasonality and supply chain management issues, pricing and negotiation complexities and compliance with regulations. Overcoming these challenges requires strategic planning, networking, resourcefulness, and exploring partnerships to establish direct sales channels and build loyal customer bases. It's no easy feat.
0: You know, with COVID, um, when, when COVID hit, really it kind of kicked off. I mean, there's always been a lot of talk around um, exporting and how that works. And you see your bigger companies and you see what they're doing. And, um, you know, you don't know if that's achievable as a smaller owner-operator, or smaller business. So when COVID kind of hit and the the fear that happened within the industry around that and supply chain issues, it really – at the time, we'd purchased our second boat. So we were really in a position where we were like, oh, gosh, what do we do now, you know? Um, we're in deep. <laughs> and how do we prepare ourselves? So there was a lot of – I did a lot of research um, – during that period because obviously my career in travel ended as well and did a lot of research around what that might what the markets might look like <clears throat> when it opens back up and what the world might look like and so we really wanted to place ourselves in a position that <coughs> sorry <coughs> sorry uh, we re- we really wanted to place ourselves in a position that when that happened we may be better prepared um to have some kind of you know it's it's not necessarily a control thing but it's a say um, in, in where our product goes and for what price we might get for it so that's where the development of silver sea seafoods came into it i think my i think at the time my expectation of how quickly that might move was not correct um, <laughs> and you know i'd been Pre warned, but coming from <clears throat> industries and working in second jobs that work, everything moves fast. Um, that was a bit of a challenge for me, but it's taken definitely a lot of persistence and perseverance. So I think it took us it took us two years to achieve our export accreditation. So we actually wanted to have both the Silver Sea Seafoods brand <laughs> export accredited as well as the vessel. So that's been a bit of a process. Um, Because of COVID as well, we also had some issues around our packaging um, originally. So, there was a bit of an investment put into that um, that didn't kind of pay off and then we had to redesign. But that's trial and error of small business, right? And, you know, you do everything better the second time around. (laughs) It's it's just one of those situations where we, you know, coming out of COVID, everything that we made was kind of being invested back into um, starting this up.
1: Building direct export markets poses many challenges for small fishing businesses, including limited export infrastructure, compliance with export regulations, market research and understanding, distribution and logistics constraints, marketing and branding obstacles, financial constraints and competition from established players. Overcoming these challenges requires seeking support from trade organizations and government agencies, collaborating with export specialists or established exporters, focusing on niche markets and leveraging unique product attributes to differentiate in a global marketplace.
0: This, this company taking off on its own um, is a whole another part of our business. So um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully growing um, slowly or, you know, although, so we just want to be able to maintain the markets that we've got and maintain our, um, you know, both our domestic market as well as our international market. Um, we just, we really want to look at some innovative technology for onboard processing. So that's something that we're actually working through at the moment. And that's a big direction that we're heading. Um, really in line with being able to produce the one kilo for both a domestic and an international um, as well. I love the fact that together we're building something. Um, I love the t- fact that we're trying to do something a little bit different but still being reflective of our industry and the history that it comes from it, um, trying to move in the direction and remain prevalent, you know. Within an industry that is rapidly changing. So that kind of drives me to continue to, you know, to what's next, what's out there, what can we do differently um, to really get on top of that and, you know, make sure that we're still here. Um, I think my, my family drives me, my children and Alan. Alan, having worked his life at sea, you know, trying to do something a bit different.
1: Despite the many challenges, fishing businesses that can vertically integrate, shorten the supply chain and build their own brand have a bright future ahead. They can enjoy increased control, profitability, quality assurance and customer relationships. By differentiating themselves in the market, fostering innovation, and embracing adaptability, these businesses are well positioned to thrive in an ever evolving seafood industry. For Jackie and Alan Cartwright, their Silver Sea Seafoods business is well-placed to build long-term, sustainable business that will allow them to maximise their return on investment and secure their future for their Malulabar Eastern King Prawn Fishing business. This is Fishtales, a seafood podcast. A Deep in the Weeds production, I'm John Sussman. Follow us on Instagram at Fishtailes Seafood Podcast or email us at fishtailspodcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay tuned for more tales from beneath the surface of the seafood world every Friday on your podcast
0: app.